Longhorn Nation, we're back! And welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. I'm Hannah, and this is Fire the Cannon. All right, today we talk Texas football fall camp, huge quarterback recruiting news, campuses reopening around the country during a pandemic, um, athletes fighting to save their seasons, LSU and NBA drama, and we get some things off our chest. But first, we haven't talked in a bit, so ladies, how you doing? Hanging in, hanging wow. in. <laughs> it, it was the craziest time of year for everybody regardless, and then throw on top of, you know, virtual learning for those of us with kiddos and all of that fun stuff, and it just gets a little bit more chaotic, so. Yeah, I do not envy all this week watching all the moms and dads go, you know, get their kids worked up and ready to go back to school. And it, it forgive me for saying, because I don't have this experience, but it looks like a complete shit show right now. <laughs> like, nobody knows what's going on. Everything seems to be chaotic. And I'm just over here, like, I'm just going to pit my dogs. I'm good. Yeah. We had fun setting up Nadia's new workstation and we tried to make it separate from her bedroom so she didn't be like in her bedroom all day and then bedroom all night. That. It yeah, looks super so we cool. We put her in like, more of an outdoor space on the balcony and she loved it and she was so excited. And then today was day one and it went pretty smoothly except we had three different schedules for three different times of classes starting and stopping. And she almost missed two different classes today, but it's it's all right. It's my fault that I didn't read all 900 emails from every teacher this week. My fault. Right, the 7,000 emails that were sent. I just, you crazy. expect to be late to class, like on a normal first day of class when you're in when you're there in person. Kids are late to class virtually. What a weird, weird world we live in. But, yeah, it's so crazy. Well, and Hannah, your little one, how does she do focusing and staying keyed in? for, for virtual mean, learning? You know, she gets to migrate from her bedroom to the kitchen table. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like you, Rocky. I make her get up out of bed and go sit or else she would just fall right back asleep. But um, I think the novelty of that she's doing this online, because um, at the end of the year last year, it was just so thrown together just to try to get through the, the year. Um, and so it's a little bit more like, organized this time around. And so um, yeah. the novelty of you know, the Zoom thing going on and uh, learning all of the software and stuff. I, I, that's going to keep her attention for a little bit. But um, yeah. ask yeah. me again this time next week. How, how, how right? Well, right. We'll, we'll touch base on that again. And maybe I, I, was... I haven't like either thrown myself out the window or her out the window or her dad <laughs> out the window or something. And you know. someone's going out the window. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, like I, mean, I said, I, my kids are super easy to deal with. If they annoy me, I put them in kennels or just leave them out in the pasture. I don't envy y'all's position right now. It's crazy. Well, mine's still super easy. I have a pretty self-sufficient uh, seventh grader and she logs in and out of each class with the little Google classroom links. And she's, I don't really need to do anything except make sure she's awake. Make sure she woke up. That's about it. So it's not too bad. Logged in on time. She's not tardy. Yeah for virtual learning <laughs> like i said i'll touch back with y'all in about a week yeah. and see how that's uh how yeah. that's all playing out right well the kids are the kids are back in school and texas football is back in camp 
And Finally. So much to talk about. So much has happened since we last talked. We know we heard from Tom Herman. We've got to hear from Sam Ellinger. What are your, what are the favorite things you're hearing out of fall camp right now? Man, I'm just happy that it's back. Like, again, seeing the guys in pads, holy shit. Like, I know that we don't know about anything or what's happening, but just give me that small bit of joy. Yeah, it seems like they're pumped and amped and big, man. Our guys are lean and mean. I'm loving it. Yeah, um, in Tom Herman's press conference, he was asked about, I guess, just overall how the first scrimmage went compared to, you know, years past. And he's like, well, they were obviously rusty. But we expected that being that we have not, you know, played football or these guys have not played actual footballs in what, eight, nine months. Yeah, um, that's crazy. So that's to be expected. But he said that the overall, I forgot the word he used, their, 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 their effort. effort. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Was super awesome, you know, encouraging, excited to be there. I think that's a good thing. Uh, they're just blessed that they actually get to play it, as far as right now, you know, where that was kind of hanging in the balance for so long. Um, so maybe it's kind of offered some new perspective of these, these kids, you know, for they're normally griping about being out there in 200 degree heat and they're now excited that they get to do this. So. We'll yeah, see. we were talking, we were talking with a couple of the players on the team and the sentiment seems to be like, man, they just want football back and they'll do whatever it takes. And so that was good to hear. You know, I know I was whining when I was in college having to go right. back, obviously different circumstances, but it's cool to see how amped up they are, you know, and Texas is, is putting their guys through COVID tests three times a week. So <laughs> we definitely <laughs> heard that their noses are real tired of those tests, but they're happy to do it. So I, I think that's great. I, I was worried about injuries, you know, knocking that rust off. I was really worried. And we, we definitely saw a couple, you know, we got Juwan Mitchell out. We've got Juwan Mitchell out, which I think is is a huge problem. <laughs> We're so thin at linebacker. And, you know, that was a, a big question going into the season anyway. And now some of that depth is gone. I, I'm worried there. So hopefully that's a, a faster recovery. They are just saying stinger right now. But, you know, Troy's knee was just going to be a tweak. And that turned out to be an ACL. So, um, you know, Avanti is out too. Same thing, stinger. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this is this just lack of conditioning, or is this just normal stuff? There's always those first bumps and bruises after this first scrimmage. Combine that with no real hitting scrimmage practice since last December. So yeah. nine months since they last had a pads on scrimmage or you know full contact scrimmage like that. Contact. So when you combine the heat and then just being off all season, that's got to add up. I feel really bad for Troy O'Meary. We were hearing nothing but praise about him being not just the top freshman but one of the top receivers at camp just a big dude go up and get it great hands great routes and you know he takes a non-contact step wrong and his knee and he's out for this season and that's a bummer but he had a really great attitude he right away he tweeted you know small setback big comeback you know something along those lines so I'm hoping that he comes back stronger yeah. Well, and I mean, like what you mentioned, like he is young, like he still has like all of his college career virtually ahead of him. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of time for him to still shine at Texas and he's going to get those opportunities. So it sucks to see it happen regardless, but it's not the end of the road for him. ACL surgery. It's, it's so different now than it was even mm-hmm. five years ago, 10 years ago. You know, we saw Quan, one of our favorite guys, Quan had, had an AC, ACL done um, and came back strong in the NFL. So 
I have no doubt that with the conditioning and the resources that he has, he's going to come back. I mean, this kid looks super dedicated. You know, the surgeries are so much different now. The, the rehab is so much different now. I wouldn't be surprised with his attitude. We might still see him play this year if we do, in fact, have a full We have a season. full season, yeah. Well, you know, if we do get a full season, Tom Herman was talking about championship trophy is going to be handed out this year. The, the goal at Texas, the standard at Texas is always a Big 12 championship, compete and win championships. Um, it was really interesting, though, that he said um, in his press conference after the scrimmage, he talked about what do we expect the team to actually do to get to, through a full season and the kind of attitude um, that the players were going to have to have, the buy-in with COVID going on. This yeah. is what he said. Rule-following team is, is, are, gonna be, are going to be the ones that have uh, the best opportunity to win uh, at a very high level this season. And uh, our guys are completely bought into that fact. The players are bought in. They know they have to keep with the social distancing. They have to keep with the masks. They have to keep with the protocols. And they're willing to do all these extra steps in addition to the regular risk. We're going to win a championship this year. He also said something like 90%, upwards of 90% of the team is online classes only this fall. Right. I think we we're seeing that with the rigorous testing that Texas is doing at no small expense, we're seeing that there really is that buy-in we've had in God bless it. I'm going to knock on some wood here. There've been zero positive tests since coming back. And since that first initial wave of the students coming back from home, um, everybody's cleared right now. Everybody's good to go. So, you know, the guys are amped and I think we've got a big chance here to really set the standard. And I think Texas has been doing that again. I, I hate to sound like that Homer over and over, but it really does seem like Texas is defining what the protocols and what should work. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm loving seeing that, loving it. You never NCAA, you clearly can't do your job. Just let right. Texas school everybody else on how to do this right. How to succeed yeah. in 2020. Also, you said 90% of the players are doing online classes. Also, 90% of the players are getting reps in practice. They said this is the first time in a long time. They've had to rep the threes <laughs> in with the twos and the ones. Yeah. Like everybody needs reps because they have to have options for whatever happens over the season. They don't know who's going to be able to play, not play, be sick, and not get yeah. to play. So they're getting everybody ready to play. Yeah, they're rotating a lot of the players at maybe some positions they normally wouldn't, mm -hmm. um, which, again, I, I kind of harken back to the, the Gilbert, right, the national championship when Gilbert got thrown in. Poor kid, if he had had some reps before then, we might have been in a different position. So I don't hate it. I, you know, we've, we have no idea what the future is going to look like. We have no idea what's going on. So have our guys ready. I love that. Yeah. You know, and, and we've already seen some players opt out, right? Marquez opted out. We've got Daniel Young. We've got uh, Willie Tyler that opted out. So Kez was really kind of a surprise to me in the sense that I think he was really in competition for starting role. Right. Daniel Young. Yeah. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? Do you think, do you think, you know, and same with Willie Tyler, do you think that kind of the depth chart played into that decision for those kids? Daniel Young, absolutely. He was already behind Keontae and Rojo and then a five-star is coming in. He did have a great positional uh, roles in the last couple seasons when he was healthy, but you can see him getting buried pretty quickly in that depth chart. Yeah. What kind of makes yeah. me, I wouldn't say sad, but somebody like him, if they're giving all of these guys reps and they're going to have to get creative 
to a certain point on uh, how to kind of realign some of these positions and these guys into these positions. You know, maybe if he would have like hung with it, he could have been reassigned somewhere and been more utilized, but I, I don't know. You know, I'm not there. I'm not in his head. Maybe he genuinely has concerns about COVID and safety, and those are to be honored. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not. I'm not discrediting yeah. them at all. I, no. I, I don't think any of these players are coming in and going, "Oh, I, you know." But, this is like, you. I, yeah, I, they I don't come to Texas to find any reason to opt out. No, right, absolutely. Right. But I mean, you mentioned him like specifically uh, in comparison to like Beamish who was like neck and neck for a starting position, would have gotten lots of reps with the ones. And there's some very distinct differences in their individual situations. So it has to factor in, has to. You know, and we saw that the NCAA actually acted on something today and has said, uh, yeah, it's crazy, I know, has said that players, whether they play or opt out, will still retain their eligibility. Basically, this is a freebie year. Of course, the board is going to vote on that Friday. So, you know, hopefully we see them actually follow through because I think that's great news. I think it gives extra incentive for the, the kids that want to play. I think it gives them extra incentive to, to continue right. to do so. Hell, I, you know, I look at that and I say, hey, maybe, maybe we have Sammy one more year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much talk about with Ellinger's um, press conference yesterday. So he said he repeated um, Herman's statement about the most mature responsible teams are the ones that are going to do- avoid distractions and those are the teams that are going to compete. This is really interesting and we can talk about this. He said that right now he thinks Texas is the gold standard in universities because they're talking to other players from other schools on caring for their athletes. Yeah I, I mean I think that goes back to what we were talking about right like it, it definitely to me so far is shining through. They're giving tons of testing um, they're sanitizing everything. They're watching after their athletes. They're helping the athletes have access to online courses and stay in their own little bubbles. I, I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with what he's saying. And it's definitely interesting to hear from players of other schools, of course, anonymously, that they don't feel as comfortable there, you know, but I think that goes back to what our mamas told us. They feel safer that their kids are safer at Texas than they were at home. I think that's huge. That's exciting. I know they are, they're back on campus. They're playing, they're scrimmaging. Um, Hannah, you'll like this. The D line with their four man front, he mm-hmm. said it's bringing so much good pressure that he's having to step his game up in the pocket and be thinking and looking and getting more mobile in the pocket. Thoughts, okay. Hannah? He called out true freshman Alfred, Alfred Collins out yes. by name. Freshman defensive end. Uh, he spoke quote said he's fun to watch so I think that he's getting excited like seeing these young guys and like the game that they're bringing and it's making him step up his game and he's you know senior quarterback Sam Ellinger who could be the Heisman or Heisman candidate. Also Ellinger talked about the offense guess how many reallys he really 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 likes this offense. (laughs) (laughs) So many reallys. He's got weapons this year though right? A lot of weapons. Oh, yes. I thought that his little thing, uh, he's been forced to find new routines since COVID. Especially he's been really, really trying, really trying hard to like eliminate licking his fingers between plays. I thought that was a funny little tidbit because I've definitely noticed. I'm sure you all have definitely noticed. So, it's not uncommon, right? It's not uncommon, but I think that he did it 
almost ritualistically. Like Drew Brees. Always. Yeah, man, but how is that any different than a player like tapping a bat on their, you know, as they're coming up to base? Or coming up to that's why it was interesting. Tapping a bat on their shoe. Everybody's got their routine. You go to the free throw line, you got your, however you spin the ball, like everybody's got a routine. I get it. I'm not going to knock the kid for that for sure. Uh, oh no, I'm not knocking him. I just thought it was funny that he brought that up as something he's really trying to break. And I'm like, I think it's okay. <laughs> to me though, that's more about being cognizant of COVID. Right. Oh yeah. And, like, right. Be, how no, much we touch our faces, how yeah, much we touch our mouths. Yes. We, we've talked about Yersic and what's the potential because they haven't had a lot of time maybe together for the first six or so months of their um, relationship at quarterback, but we know they were talking about they've developed, a, they were still able to develop a relationship. He says that Yersic is extremely passionate, intelligent, professional. He knows his X's and O's. And this was my favorite thing that he said about it. When they were in the scrimmage and Yersic is calling those plays, he can get into a great rhythm and he, it flows. So it seems like they're really connecting with each other. Yursich kind of feels how, what Ellinger would like to do next or where they're both going and they're on the same page and the play calling flows. Can you imagine? Ooh. As a Texas fan who has lived through the last decade, an offense that flows and that clicks is like, is like sexy as I'll get out right now. I cannot imagine y'all. But, but we're seeing it, right? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about him having the weapons. Um, yeah. You know, we've got Tariq Black. We've got Brendan Eagles. I mean, I think he's going to step up. Jay Witt, obviously, like, that is a man amongst children at this yes. point. Yes. You know, initially, I was worried losing Duve. You know, Duvernay was a, a huge weapon for us last year. He led the Big 12 in receiving yards. Yeah. Uh, so that – we were going to really feel that. But all of a sudden – We've got these guys, man. They are some dudes that we are just have some dudes. <laughs> and Ellinger specifically mentioned Josh Moore too. We know Josh Moore had off the field issues last year and didn't contrib contribute, but he's back strong, healthy, and he said he is a solid target. He's really liking Josh Moore. He called him out as a target he's loving in the camp. And obviously, Jake Smith is stepping up and being that vocal leader, and and, and he's really he's got some hands, man. It it just seems like we are stacked. And then you throw in Bijan, who, by everything oh. that we've seen, is making some plays and people can't touch him. I mean, he's got good hands. He's got that speed, especially on the outside corner. He's turning it up and you know, it's turn and burn, baby. It's, it's been, with the very little that we've seen, it, it is hard, Hannah. Like, like you said, it's hard not to drink that Kool-Aid watching some of the speed and the weapons that we have on offense right now. Well, here's, here's Sam. I think he's drinking his own Kool-Aid. Listen to this. Um, offensively, I'm really excited. Um, I think that we we have a chance to be extremely elite. And um, with all the talent that we have, getting those guys in space, going fast and um, letting them make plays, I'm, I'm really excited for them. And he loves the new offense. He praises Yersich, his attention to detail. And it seems like they're just going to click. The two of them seem like a good team. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it seems like – even from the get-go, as soon as Yersich came in, it really seems like there was buy-in from Sam. And, and they have good rapport. Every time we've seen them interact, they've, they've got really good rapport, and that's, that's encouraging. <laughs> the QB room looks good right now. Hudson Card apparently is there side-by-side. Ellinger taking all the mental reps. Making the, Where would he have thrown if it was his turn to make that decision? Uh, Jaquindon Jackson is recovering from his knee injury and contributing at practice. And Casey Thompson... So we can talk about that later, but that's a pretty good lineup of quarterbacks. 
And the future looks bright indeed because we are getting the highest ranking quarterback out of high school, class of 2022, of course, since Vince Young. Pretty incredible. This is something. A hundred, a straight 100 rating. Yeah. This is a commitment that changes the landscape. I mean, drastically changes the landscape. I I think we're really going to see the Ewers effect you know, downside, we did lose Milrow, who was, again, an incredible talent um, and definitely yeah. wish him wherever he goes. But that's a stacked quarterback room, man. And with this announcement, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. But, well, yeah, I mean, hell, we even saw some rival team. Uh, we had the Aggie tweet come out that was, of course, quickly deleted, but saying, man, if I was a recruit right now, I'd commit to Texas. His teammate from South Lake Carroll knows he's a baller. He's going to be a junior this year. He's class of 2022. Even in his sophomore season, threw for over 4,000 yards, 45 touchdowns, and ran in another nine touchdowns. That's insane. Yeah, I I mean, he made it. All the way to the playoffs, they lost to Jaquindon Jackson's team, <laughs> but they made it all the way, you know, deep into the playoffs. South Lake Carroll's always a good program. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're like a history program. Dude, this kid can chunk it like 85 yards. Like nothing. Flat put it. Just, just like, like throwing darts. Like Crazy. The field. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't even have to think about it. And I always love these idiots that you see online that, that say, oh, I could do that. I could no the fuck you couldn't. No, you You're, can't. No, stop it. <laughs> no. Now, Hannah, you did say something that you can't improve at all. Well, one thing I will disagree a little bit. That hair. Yeah, you know, we could improve on that hair. This Tiger King thing is just killing me. Yeah, the hair. I'll give a pass on the hair for the 100, 1.000 perfect rating. <laughs> right. But you know, Riley Dodge, whose dad, you know, whose dad Todd Dodge was at South Lake Carroll for a year, now at Westlake. And Westlake was supposed to play South Lake Carroll in the Jerry World first week of September for the high school kickoff season. And they say it might be pushed back or rescheduled for another year, which is really sad. Yeah. Riley Dodge says that the really the thing he loves about Ewers is that he's patient. He's wise beyond his years. He's one of those yeah, guys that gets there first thing in the morning and the last one to leave. And that he really just is patient on the field and takes what the defense gives him which we hear all the time, but to see it when it's actually happening out on the field, you see it, right? Right. That'll be exciting as he develops. We'll watch him the next two years. Those things are kind of intangibles. Like you're, you either are born with that sixth sense where you can just kind of feel the coverages, Mm -hmm. feel who the defenders are going to be, or you just don't have it. And so those kind of guys, and we know this because like the last time was BY, like they don't come around. They are like once every- Generational. Oh, generational. Yes. 100%. So it's been, we know this, like Stanley has been a breath of fresh air, no doubt. But it's been a while since we've like had elite QB after elite QB after elite QB. And this, this recruit and this signing by itself, like, will definitely snowball and we're going to see effects from it like years to come you don't get guys like vince young coming without like signing chris sims was the number one uh, high school quarterback his year yeah. in texas no, that's valid. In tennessee you don't get guys like vince young without signing chris sims first yeah the, the coolest thing so. too is right away as soon as you were committed 
four stars, five stars from around the country were like, what, Texas? What's going on? Eyeballs. So I'm going to have to go check out Texas. And even locally, four-star DN Amari Arbor and four-star wide receiver Armani Winfield already talking about now maybe they're leaning Texas. We've seen some yep. national athletes, four- and five-star athletes around the country are like, hey, man, what's happening down in Texas? And so it's not whether it's Twitter talk or they actually come, we'll see. And it's not like yeah, we've I mean, been recruiting bad anyway the last, you know, couple of years. Even Charlie Strong recruited strongly, pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, it, it's like, it's just going up to even, like, a higher tier, like the micro higher tier, like to, like, the Alabama and Clemson level, like, recruiting classes that they've been able to get for years and years. He's already being compared to uh, Trevor Lawrence as far as pa total package, quote unquote, can't miss, shouldn't miss kind of guy, right? So, and you saw the recruiting that Trevor Lawrence was able to bring with him. The receivers want to go play with that. The, D, the DBs, you know, the D-line, they want to go defend that because they know that, that you know, their offense is going to put up big numbers. And so yeah. maybe that all falls into line for Texas. I'm going to argue this too. Texas doesn't get a recruit like yours unless we have your sitch. Right. Like yes. I know a lot of the negative recruiting that was going wow. on with saying, Oh, Texas has had to change out their entire staff. Oh, this is, this is, right. Oh, what are you doing over there? It's a complete shit show. But I'm, I, in my opinion, man, we do not get this recruit unless we have your stitch. He fits the system, you know, right. looking at that pocket passer. It, it just makes sense. Your knows how to use his guys. He knows how to develop his guys. He's, he's looking at elite quarterbacks that can, make those smart decisions and fit in with what makes sense. So again, I think a lot of teams used our coaching turnover at, for negative recruiting, but man, I got to say, this is a positive. I, yeah, you know, I think maybe we, we finally, staff is last year. This doesn't happen. Just, right. Yeah. I mean, we got a guy who's had lots of success. I mean, he was Justin Fields quarterback at Ohio state last year. He obviously can develop talent. So what can he do with top tier, like top tier from the get-go talent? So I definitely think we have gotten a bump in recruiting. I know we've gotten a bump in recruiting and, and I think it's opened a lot of eyes at Texas. Is there downside to this? Does it, does it have the negative effect? Again, we see Milrow decommitting. Do we see more of that happening with our quarterback room right now? You know, in Milrose decommitment, you like you just said, you're such a style. He's got that, he likes that pocket passer, that pro style. And he always talks about it, looking at his best players and making it work. But at some point, maybe Milrow being, I mean, he's an elite athlete. He could be a five-star by the time, you know, this is all done. But he, he said when he decommitted, his quote, you know, thanks Tim Beck and Herman for recruiting me. Thanks to Yersich, quote, I wasn't your guy, but you continued to build a relationship with me. So I kind of saw that as a couple different meanings. I wasn't your guy, like, you know, he wasn't recruited by him. But also he wasn't his guy, maybe in the fit, the style of the, of the play that you're, the offense that Yersich runs and Alabama, you know, they like those dual threat. He saw what they've done with their quarterbacks recently. So he found a better fit. Good for him. No, that's yeah, fair. I mean, you, can't, you can't knock the guy. I mean, he's an extremely talented quarterback. And he, uh, of course, you can't, you can't fault him for wanting to play and wanting to be in a system that fits him the best. So, and, and he's not scared of competition because he's going behind the other number one quarterback, you know, yeah, like man, last I, year. That's a stupid argument from yeah. being a fan. Saying that this kid is scared of competition is complete bullshit. Lazy. I, I, it's, it's dumb and lazy. It's, like, yeah, it's a lazy argument. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Like, you're putting him in to <laughs> – a team in a situation that isn't exactly known for not being successful, right? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, he's got the competition. He's walking into a bunch of competition, and he's going to have to fight for that that starting role again. Yeah. I, no, I, that's a lazy ass argument. I'm tired. I don't of think you're like you play this sport at this level if you are afraid of competition. Yeah, that's what Herman said when you know in his press conference after the scrimmage. He said when they asked him about, well, we can't talk about it specifically what recruit, recruit uh, committed yesterday, but just generally speaking about the quarterbacks that you recruit. And he said they know every quarterback. They tell them we are going to keep recruiting at the highest level and you will have competition and you're coming here to compete and well, that's the kind of players yeah. they want they want the players that are coming to compete taking katie tompkins high school that had like no wins for years <laughs> and then you know giving them into the playoffs i mean he's a leader and he's got it so i'm sure he'll spark and shine at alabama if he ever gets to play behind is it bryce foster the superstar that he'll be behind something like that yeah i mean yeah. i guess he has as good a chance as any like you never know like Tua went out injuries happen mm -hmm. oh absolutely so, i mean like the sky's the limit who who can say <laughs> pandemics happen conferences cancel their seasons you never know the number one quarterback might opt out pandemics on campus what do yeah. we know about that? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. So kind of crazy across the board, right? We're seeing colleges and universities bringing everybody back in. And uh, parties are a problem. What's up, Oak State? Where you at? <laughs> yeah, hey, Oakie Light. How, how you liking that? Yeah, we had Where a, you at, Oklahoma State. <laughs> right? So tons of reports of three separate outbreaks, um, which they classify, the school's classifying as 10 or more in clusters. Um, they had three separate outbreaks, including in a sorority house, which was completely quarantined. So it's a concern, right? Uh, you know, we saw the University of Texas release a statement basically begging kids not to party and begging them to stay at home and social distance. Um, but again, man, it's college students. What are you, what are you going to do? I just think that's an unrealistic expectation to ask college students to make smart, <laughs> make smart choices, make right? Like our parents used to tell us. They get to do the virtual learning and stay off campus. That'll all help too, to keep the numbers Definitely. away from campus. You know, which is why these kind of mini bubbles for the athletes is the safest place they can be right now with doctors and coaches, teammates I'm accountable to every day. Whereas these sorority girls and frat boys and regular students running around campus, they're here to party. Right, right. Well, again, and we saw both UNC and Notre Dame have just absolute disastrous returns <laughs> to campus. Um, they had a ton of outbreaks. I, if I recall correctly, UNC had something like 136 positives, right. like a 15% spike, which is just bananas, right? And I know there had been a ton of concern when they were basically announcing that students had to come back to campus. There was a big outcry. And, you know, you see the sentiment, who could have predicted this? So, yeah, to your point, Rocky, I, I definitely agree, keeping these little bubbles. Well, the CDC could have predicted it because they said their housing situation was high risk. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're also seeing kind of the fallout effect from that. After Notre Dame's poor back to campus, Michigan State came out and said, you know what, we had planned back to campus, we're going strictly virtually. I, and, and I think that's, that's the right move for them and for that campus. I mean, they're not, not playing football. But it, it makes sense, and I do think that's the smartest way to keep your kids healthy. There's no question there. 
Yeah. They, they planned ahead. They thought they were doing a good job trying to, they say, beat that second wave by starting classes a little bit early, being done by Thanksgiving, which is Texas's plan too, to not have people go home and come back. Right. Um, but they, they just had too much already to begin with. It's just too rampant in that area. Yeah. Well, and, and I'd really be curious to see what were the testing protocols before students got back to campus? Were they testing them before? It, that seems to me like it would be kind of a key <laughs> key thing to see, are you healthy before you get back? And right. let's prevent those breakouts, right? Yeah, so well, I mean, coming back and then like, oh crap, let's try to like go backwards and you can't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with OU for, yeah. for a long time. OU was, their, their football was testing completely, like, no positive results. Then they let their guys go home for a week and brought them back onto campus. And all of a sudden you have another outbreak. Consequently, you're seeing OU now. There's some rumblings that they are trying to have football canceled for this season. They were thinking they could get the Big 12 to sway. And Texas held strong and said, nah, what do y'all think about that? $42 million in TV revenue is what I think about that. And that's, that's their Big 12 share, right? So I, as broke as they are and always having no money for anything, for real. they can't afford to lose $42 million in just TV revenue plus whatever yeah. their football program generates. They can't. Yeah, I'm going to go here. I don't know that they, like, their pride could handle, like, not playing while the University of Texas goes on. Yes. Like, I just don't. They, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think. see that actually being carried out so I I think UT forces the hand for sure I mean yeah as as point, like, so you fought well. with this for so long up until this and now you're trying to back out oh no 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 no. we are in too deep you're coming whether you like it or not so you might as well get your act together like right now the cynic in me you know and of course I love fantasizing about this but the cynic in me says Lincoln Riley is seeing some problems with Rattler Right. He doesn't he hasn't had a non graduate transfer quarterback right. in so long yeah. that he's unsure about this. So screw it. Let's just call the season, guys. Call the season. We don't we don't oh, have it. I don't know what to do. Right? And <laughs> Tanner Mordecai is the other quarterback, right? And he's injured or something. So there was supposed right. to be some kind of battle to at least challenge Rattler and now he's just gonna go with this freshman, right? Red shirted last year. Didn't he just get right. a Yeah. Who yeah. is remarkably like what the number five rated quarterback of the country. I think the hype surrounding Rattler is, is interesting. Of course, we just got finished talking about Ewers, right? So I'm not going to sit here and knock the kid and say it's impossible for him to be, you know, a great quarterback from the get go. But you do wonder, are there some concerns if OU is all of a sudden trying to cancel their season? I'm not concerned. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Is there, if Texas, if OU bows out, they're five-time champions in a row, right? If they bow out, for opt out for whatever reasons, and Texas wins Wide the championship, is there, an, is there an asterisk by this championship? Yeah, there has to be. I, I mean, look. Only because the five-time champion is out. <laughs> I, as, much as, as much as we love to give them shit, let's be honest, OU has run the Big 12, and it pains yeah. me that but in the past few years they've been dominant and and I don't ever want to see just like I don't want to see a player get hurt I want to I want Texas to play at the highest level against right. the best competition and prove that they can beat that so yeah. yeah I think it's a massive asterisk if OU by some chance doesn't play yeah I think it's a huge asterisk if if they're not competing because they opted out you know, okay so while we're there real quick bigger picture um if Texas gets to a playoff 
you know, the team that comes away this season with only three power, starting off with only three power five teams, a lot of those teams are going to drop and maybe drop and fall along the way. Does this season have an asterisk, the champion, considering how hard it's going to be to keep 80, 20-year-olds on task and away from the co-eds for four or five months? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's no small task, right? But I'm going to default and answer the same because it's the exact same situation on a larger scale. Yeah, I think there's going to be an asterisk. Again, if you're not playing a full uh, full slate and you're not playing all of the available competition, is it a true championship? Now, you know, there's even that debate about when the Big, uh, Big Ten comes back, when Pac-12 comes back, if they play spring ball, do you split the championship? And no, number one, I think that's stupid. Don't split it. You can't ask, you know, but we have had different champions in the past, right? We've had AP number ones and we've had uh, BCS number ones. So I don't know. Right. I don't well, think it's They're not always the same team. A lot of times they were the same team. But right, LSU shared championship. Right, ball right. ain't happening because they ain't playing thirty games in one calendar year. At least, yeah. No, and that's, you know, I think if that did happen, it would be the most hypocritical thing ever. You can't sit right? here and dispute about player safety and then say, "Cool, now play thirty games in a year with three months as a break." That just doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah. Die. yeah. Oh, hypocritical! Right? Like um, the Big Ten commissioner Kevin Warren. Telling his conference that it's not safe to play while his own son is going to play in the SEC for Mississippi State. Yeah, crazy. I mean, hypocritical like that. Pretty, pretty interesting that he didn't pull him, um, you know, if you're really buying into it. Yeah. You know, again, you've got to look at the regions and you've got to look at the hot spots. But if we're being real honest, the Deep South ain't exactly the safest, most masked up place in the world, right? Right. Like when you look at the map of COVID, they're on fire. And yeah. football <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah, it's, it's so it, it's been really interesting watching, you know, Justin Fields has been incredibly vocal uh, about wanting to play, um, wanting the Big Ten to come back in. You know, what do y'all think of that? What have you thought about his leadership? Do you think he's got, you know, Snowball's chance in hell? What are y'all's thoughts? That if I had to put money, I would bet the season doesn't happen. But yeah. I love that Justin Fields, like we know he's going to be a top five, top 10 pick, even if he sat on his couch and watched the SEC and ACC and Big 12 play. He, yeah. he doesn't need the season. When they asked him, he was interviewed by Michael Strayan and they asked him, why are you leading, you know, being one of the leaders of this we want to play movement? And he said, because he loves his coaches. He loves football. He loves football. He wants to play. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely an interesting argument. Now, let me again counter and ask you this. If he knows there is absolutely no freaking chance that he's going to get to play Mm -hmm. what does it hurt him to stand up and argue that they should right what has he got to lose if they know it's not going to happen there's no risk right it takes out the complete risk of of getting hurt he knows it's not going to go through but it I think it elevates him in his players eyes and I think it helps his draft stock too seeing you know the NFL coming in that's a leader that's a good guy but seems to me like a no risk situation for him so smart move definitely calculated you know, it, you, you just hate to see it. Like all these, they love football. They have, they worked as hard as like everybody else did in the country and they're having to sit, it, sit 
out, you know, while, you know, three of the five get to go on and play. It's just, it cannot be easy. Like it has to be no, disheartening. Be just, Especially when they feel like the information they've gotten isn't substantiated and they feel like the, the right. doctors that the same, they're getting quote unquote, the same information that other conferences are getting. And we know like, take example, like, should you send your kid to school? Well, there's no right or wrong answer because there's risks all around. Yeah, Staying at right. home, there's risks, and then in the school, there's risks. And that's what he's saying. Like, they feel like they should at least be put in a position to make their own educated decision if that risk is, if it's worth it to them. And a lot of players and 284,000 signatures on his petition that he started all say, yes, let him, let him play. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I'll, I'll counter here. I feel like I'm always the, the counter opposition. I think it's a different situation. You know, there's different drivers and different motivators. When you look at schools in the North and in the Northeast, football isn't necessarily the moneymaker that it is mm -hmm. for the schools in the South, right? I think there's no debating that. So in that sense, yeah, I, I think there's a way that they can look at the data and make different decisions. Absolutely. It has, it has a massive effect. If Texas doesn't play football, that is financially devastating for the school, right? If Rutgers doesn't play football, meh, maybe not quite as devastating. If Kansas doesn't play football, yeah. it's not a big deal, but don't head. take away basketball. Right. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, it's a money situation, right? So not only are we talking about the money that's lost with revenue and tickets and, uh, you know, TV revenue and all that kind of stuff. You're also looking about, can some of these universities afford the testing that would be required and necessary to be safe? Again, looking at Texas, I mean, UT's spending initially to bring their guys back, to bring football, just football back on campus, cost over a million dollars. Right. Now, that included testing, that included cleaning and sanitizing everything, that included installing, you know, hand-washing stations, things like that. But with them testing their guys three times a week, we're looking at at least a quarter of a million dollars every week yeah. just for football. That's an insane amount of money, right? And yeah. UT has gone out and say that if they have schools on their schedule that can't afford the testing, they will pay for the testing for the schools. That gets a lot more difficult when you're talking about the Rutgers and, you know, the Northwesterns and the schools that don't have these athletic revenues and don't have the resources. So I do agree that, that it's difficult. It's got to be gut-wrenching for those, those students not to be able to come out and play, but more factors into it than just percentages and, and positive rates, right? I, Absolutely. It's the two academic, more, more academic of the conferences. The Big Ten's an academic conference. The Pac-12 is an academic conference. And it's also the two that coincidentally had the player demands. <laughs> Yeah. The, two, the two conferences where the academic athletes had educated, prepared list of demands for their safety. Those are the two where the conferences said, well, never mind, just don't play. Do oh, no, that backfired. <laughs> yeah. Do you think those requests, do you, do you think that played into it of this, the students demanding that they, there be certain guarantees as far as testing and safety goes? Do you think that that factored in? I mean, if I had to bet, I'd bet it did. It was a factor. <laughs> Is it right. right? No. No. Well, they'd never admit it. But no, sure. they'd never admit it. No, not in a million years. But but we're definitely seeing some of those teams come out and say, I've, I've been actually kind of surprised. Nebraska coming out and outright <laughs> saying, screw it. We want to leave the Big Ten for one season and they come back. No, they want to come running back to the Big 12. <laughs> Right. That was cute. That was so cute of them. Forgive me, Texas. Oh my God! I'll never break up 
break up with you again. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but it, I mean, do you think oh. that's, that's the sentiment behind there? Do you, do you think, would you welcome them back? Would you welcome the ex back that shunned you for being so awful and breaking up a conference? Not two weeks before a kickoff, no. Right. right. Oh, Maybe oh. in March, if they had said, hey guys, in March, if, if things aren't clear by mid-July, can we squeeze into your schedule? Okay. August something? No. I think it's more product of they thought legitimately that they were going to have a season. The Big Ten released the schedule, for God's sake. And yes. Later said, yeah. Just kidding. No football. No way. So, yeah. In that sense, I understand. They were kind of held – they were caught off guard. I, I don't think mm -hmm. any of the schools anticipated that the Big Ten was going to make that announcement when it did. Right. That being said, I'd welcome them back. I Straight up, I miss oh, Nebraska. I don't mind them maybe planning to join, rejoin the Big 12 in three or four years. Don't yeah. come running to us because you chose a conference that doesn't put football ahead of safety like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's been interesting to watch, right? You see a lot of reaction of how hated Texas is, but all of a sudden it's that kind of reaching out and hey guys. Yeah. So really though, I don't think Nebraska ever expected the fallout in recruiting that they lost when they moved to the Big Ten because like they're all their recruiting pipeline was the state of Texas and being in the Big 12 like had them right in that pipeline and you cut that vein off and they're suddenly like kind of floundering and, and really not sure what their identity is, you know, and really, really searching for their place in college football again. And so, I mean, yeah, being in the Big 12 was way better for Nebraska as a program, obviously. But then I think that the Big 12 was better overall with Nebraska in it. They are technically a blue blood. So we had three, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. So I think, personally, I don't have any problems with Nebraska. I think that they're a respectable program. They've got great fans. It's yeah, a fun place to go. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll be the first to say that. I, I love Nebraska. I've always had a great experiences there. Um, yeah. You know, some of the fans can tend to get, as with any fan Emotions base, run yeah, high, right? Overall, truly overall, Nebraska has been one of my favorite fan experiences as a visiting team. I, you know, and, and I think that speaks to their fans. It speaks to their programs. Um, I think Scott Frost off to a really rough start, right? You, you feel bad for the guy, but I think he is, I think he's the right fit for Nebraska. I think he gets it turned too. around. Yeah. And but I think the guys, tough. the players love him and they're going to play for him and I, yeah, he can still get things done there. Um, but yeah, like Rocky said, I don't know about like, just because of this, am I going to let them squeeze in? I don't know. Like, I think that you have to like approach it like you would any other year or any other circumstance or situation. And come when the time is actually right. So overall, no, I would love to have them back, but maybe not right now. Yeah. You know, it, realistically speaking too, it, it ain't going to happen. I mean, there's just no, no way it's not. big money TV contracts and there's just no way for them to opt out of the conference for one season and miss out on potential funds and then come back for other sports. I just, that just doesn't make any sense to me from a legal standpoint. I don't see how that works. To me, it's um, kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, married and I hate sitting home every Friday night. So let me go on a hot date with this other guy for a couple months and then come home to my husband. That's not how it works. <laughs> right? You made your bed, Nebraska. Right. Fly, well, fly in the cornfields with it. There is, there is <laughs> yeah, I mean, no doubt we, we like to be a little smug about things, right? So we oh, kind of think, know. well, that's what you get. So I'll tell you. So let me ask you, if there were any other programs, because I, I know we've had this conversation, 
any other programs, because really 10 teams in the Big 12 is kind of silly. It's lame. Like, it's lame. Arms? Yeah. Who would we, who would I take back? Yeah. Like, who would you take back or who would you ask for? A&M can stay gone. Missouri, <laughs> they can stay gone. Arkansas, I, I keep hearing all of these people like, oh, bring Arkansas back. Um, what do they add? No. The, what no, value all, do they, they bring? In the Big a bunch of assholes. That's what they add. They don't bring any value. They don't bring. They bring zero value. Like none. Um, I probably take Colorado back. Would you? Yes. Yeah, I like I Colorado. So. I would love to go to Boulder. Over, over A&M, Arky, and Missouri. Uh, yeah, I'd take Colorado back for sure. Yeah, um, no, I, yeah hard pass on A&M, hard pass on Missouri. I say hard pass on A&M now. No, it's a hard conversation pass. for a different time, but hard pass on Missouri, Arkansas, I have zero desire to ever deal with. I know we have to here in, in the future, but they're not pleasant to be around. Um, Colorado, I don't know though. I, I've always, I've had interesting experience. Again, I'm just going on fan bases here. Yeah. They add academics. I agree with that, but do they really bring any strength of schedule to the big 12 that they show up? Have they been relevant since they've left? Since they've left, no, but no team has really been relevant since they left the Big 12, if we want to be honest. I, I just think that those choices, I'd take them over the other three. Now, if we could, okay, if you could pull a team that's never been in the Big 12. Or, I would like Utah. Or the Southwest <laughs> Conference, you know, with Arkansas, because they were never actually in the Big 12. Like, right. you would take Utah Rocky. SMU, I would take SMU. I don't know. See, again, I think you're you're not adding strength. Academically, incredible school. I you know what I'm saying. Even like basketball, SMU is exciting. You know, baseball, they can be exciting. I, I like them as an overall athletic program, not necessarily this little hot moment they have of football right now that they haven't yeah. had in 30 years. Yeah, so, but they still weren't competitive even – I don't know. I, I just don't see no, them. No, they don't bring TV. They don't bring TV markets. They don't bring like eyeballs. That. Texas already yeah. owns. Texas already owns the Dallas market. And yeah, I just saying, don't see I, how that happens. I like SMU. Now, I'd love to expand and see maybe an Arizona State or Arizona come in. I think that would be an interesting addition. Maybe even BYU. I, I don't know. I think they kind of fluctuate. Ooh, BYU, down. Utah, bring those. Bring their rivalry with us. That'd be fun. Right? Yeah. I think, um, and I saw it like brought up a couple of times just on Twitter, like just joking around, but I mean, it makes sense for rivalries and geographically, but Iowa. That would be a tough get. They're a big, they're too much, they're too much Big Ten. They're too much Big Ten. Like that's their fit. Iowa State once a year, like they're big in-state rivals. Um, Yeah, but they still play. Yeah. Yeah, but they they fit the Big Ten perfectly. Okay, yeah, I we're agree. talking about bringing, goal line, yeah, running game. I'm allowed to want to bring Iowa. No, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Fine. I, mean, I just don't think they would – I just don't think they're a Big 12 fit. Yeah, I don't think it's a good fit. I, I, I see them more as a slobber knocker team than a finesse team. They're, I just don't – I mean, yeah. I think uh, Wisconsin's not – I mean, they're, they're okay, but like – I would take Wisconsin over Iowa. For me, I would yeah. take Wisconsin over Iowa. But then can we have Hawaii so that we can go to Hawaii every other year? See, again, that's where I get into, like, if we take a team from that far away. I hate hitting. I just want to go to Hawaii every other year. Well, I, well you do that anyway. Stop it. Right. But, you know, I, I mean, I love West Virginia. Playing them is fun. That The travel sucks. It, like, oh. regional West Virginia doesn't make sense. And it to me, does. when you start talking about the Wisconsins and things like that, that doesn't make any more sense, right? You're mm-hmm. too right. far 
I know Wisconsin is mean, not that far from Colorado, Iowa. Colorado, that makes more geographical sense if you want to keep it within like a region. Yeah, it does. But Arizona, Arizona does makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, me, Colorado Arizona. For me, Colorado isn't relevant enough, number one. And number two, their fans are dicks. So I just, I, Colorado doesn't get my Lady Garden excited. I'm out. Like, I What just about don't. those fabulous Aggies of New Mexico State? just kidding those are my favorite Aggies they They are my they're they're the real Aggies yeah they don't have they don't even have football this year we got some new news out kind of a a bombshell I would call it dropping from LSU Um, we saw uh, Washington the Washington football team stupid name recently released Geis um, but we also saw some allegations come out just after this, um, that in 2016, when he was an explosive freshman at LSU, um, he allegedly raped two women uh, who were students at the time, one of them being a student athlete, one of them being a student. So we had some pretty crazy responses from that. Yet another big player, big name at a big university, um, being accused of sexual misconduct and uh, what is being reported is that there was a complete lack of investigation from the Title IX division at LSU and a complete lack of investigation. You know, he's the, the most recent charges he has right now um, from February, March, and April, a series of domestic abuse charges, you know, alleging him of assault, battery, destroying property, and strangulation of his, you know, partner in his home and she says that he choked her until she was unconscious. So if these claims are true and they say she had marks on her neck and there was some evidence supporting her claims. And if these claims are true, you know, you can see he's a violent, abusive, angry man. And these, the two women on campus say, you know, both of them have similar stories that they were not in a position to give consent. They had been drinking and while they were not in a position to give consent, he raped them. That's what they both say. One of them was a tennis player for LSU, so you would think even more so the athletic department, Title IX, somebody would have done something, and they say they were swept under the rug, and and even the nurse at the school when she went to the health center said, oh, nothing's going to come of that, you know. Yeah, she said, and how disheartening does that have to be? And again, look, we talk about this, and we talk about this, and we talk about this, and I get pissed every goddamn time. Yes. We're seeing the same thing over and over again. You know, it's no, I, I don't want to say it's no different. Every, every situation is different, but Baylor, whatever happened, where were the sanctions? Where were the punishments? Title nine did not they got a new stadium from that. Yeah. I mean, they didn't support these women and the same thing happened at Baylor with soccer players, right? There were mm-hmm. multiple, multiple ridiculous oh, spanning over years cases that are reports and incidences I just, where does it stop, man? When do you finally start to say that women and student athletes, you know, female athletes and female students are worth as much as your male, your male students? I, I just, it's infuriating because this is the same goddamn thing over and over and over again. Time and time again, we're seeing that these women are, they report it to the authorities that they're supposed to at their schools and there's nothing. They're, they're left out to dry. And I just, I could go on this huge tirade, but how does it change? What, what, what is the breaking point? Where does it change? 
it doesn't even seem like losing their job is a threat to them. I mean, the woman here says it was ongoing. She claims for months, but if he's got a history of this from years ago, who knows how long this stuff's been going on. These two victims from LSU, they say it was so traumatizing. They were threatened by him. He would show up at their door and bang on their door and threaten them that when they, he found out that they, they had told people what had happened. To both of them say that they had they turned to alcohol and drugs and had ended up with severe trauma. Of course, you'd have trauma, but it ruined their lives and nothing came. There was no consequences, no consequences, and no no even investigation. I think that's the thing that that really just kills me is these 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 reports are just getting swept under the rug. The victims are constantly being threatened or told they don't matter, and that's just not right, man. You know, Coach O's response. Uh, really pissed me off. You, you hear it, and again, I know these are alleged, in, but he hasn't openly responded to these reports. But it's reported that Coach O actually addressed uh, one of the victim's boyfriends at the time, who was also an LSU recruit and played right. on the team. It was it was reported that Coach O was aware of the situation and actually brought up with this player who was one of the alleged victims boyfriend at the time said hey man don't worry about it everyone's girlfriend sleeps with someone else sometimes are you effing kidding me how how is to me that's the biggest issue it's just the callousness and and the complete disregard for the victim and what they're going through at the expense of everything i i just it kills me it kills me i i hope we see something come out of this I hope there is an investigation. I hope if, if these are, are shown to be true and there's enough proof, which is the hard part, right, that, al- that these allegations come to charges. But man, at some point, the people at the top have got to be held accountable for protecting their students and protecting women. Criminal, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just, at some point, that's got to change. Right. There's so many layers to that Orgeron comment, everybody's girlfriend sleeps with other people. So there's one, he's just dismissing the girl as, oh, well, she's just a hoe. Well, they all right. sleep around. Right. He's dismissed her as just easy and gets around, like all the girlfriends. Lumping all the girlfriends into just being people who sleep around, that's just it matter it anyway. It's like, sure and then... He must have known, which verifies these other um, complaints that they've gone to the administration. They've told them, they, they say that they've gone through the channels and that Orgeron knew and the other friends say that they reported it too when they heard from these ladies what happened. So if not only did he, he must have known because he made the comment, but then he dismisses the woman like, oh, well, it's just her being her, a, a female. I mean, everything right. about that was disgusting it's, it's gross it, it really is i agree wholeheartedly but it echoes like what situ- i mean even outside of sports a lot of other like sexual abuse or you know rape cases where the woman the victim is like easily victimized. somehow pinned to be her fault yeah yep. and it happens yep. all the time well and you know it's yet another example of some shenanigans coming out of DC, right? That club just seems to be marred with, with, <laughs> with a lot of problems and problematic players. Even the comments from the GM, Rocky, I think you were mentioning earlier about, oh, it was really difficult to make this decision. And when you have such a young and promising player, mm-hmm. man, he's got 
consistent domestic abuse and super violent, you know, charges against him. And And now, right. And it was even reported that prior to Washington making the decision to cut him, that they had actually spoken with the women uh, who had accused him of rape. And so I know that played into it, but why are you protecting this guy? Why are you sitting here and saying, oh, that didn't play it? Hell yes, it should play into it. Hell yes, you should come out and say, yeah, he's problematic. He's abusing women on a multitude of levels. We don't want that kind of player around our ball club. What is wrong with saying that? Why can't these guys and these GMs and these owners just come out and outright say that? What's so difficult about it? Right. Washington had hired a sexual misconduct investigator, and she had a three and a half hour interview with the tennis player on August 6th. And I guess they used that information combined with the multiple charges that were placed on guys. And the next day he was fired. But, you know, Ron Rivera, the head coach now there coming from Carolina, now he's at Washington. Like you said, it's really it's always a tough decision. We have a very talented young player. It's always a tough decision. It should never be a tough decision to get a monster off your team. And, and that's, to me, that's a, a big part of the problem is the rhetoric that surrounds all of this. Stop making excuses, man. It's not mm-hmm. tough. If you're an asshole, it's easy to cut you. And you should say that. You should just come out and say, yeah, he's problematic. This is, we don't stand for this kind of behavior. And that made this decision really easy. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. It shouldn't be, oh, well, it's really tough because he's talented. No, it should be easy because he's done horrible things to women. Human being. Yeah. Like it's just what's going to have to change. I don't know. There's going to have to be like a big event, like what we saw with Black Lives Matter, like just that kind of jolts everybody out of it because it permeates thinking, the rhetoric, like just the mindset the way that we view these athletes as kind of gods that can do no wrong and their careers and their godness has to be protected at all costs, even at the cost of like another human being and their dignity and like all of those things, it's not going to change until, in, in my opinion, there's like some sort of like big event or big like culture shift moment where everybody kind of, you know, sees it for what it is. Well, the Me Too movement was kind of starting that, but I feel like that's kind of fallen to the wayside lately. And I know some people are still trying to be proactive about that, but even a comment like this, oh, it's so tough to have to fire someone who, you know, has been beating his partner, domestic partner for months and almost killed her, allegedly, right? It doesn't sit right, man. It doesn't sit right. Again, I hate to, to be negative Nancy here, but another report coming out of the NBA, um, we're seeing that Raptors GM, and I hope to God I'm saying this right, uh, Ujiri, uh, Ujiri. Was, being, uh, was being sued uh, by a cop for alleged assault um, that happened last June during the Raptors uh, championship game. Uh, so some new tapes came out body cam footage finally came out a year later uh showing that shock of all shocks uh the officer the off-duty sheriff who was acting as security was in fact the aggressor mm-hmm. and despite ujiri showing his credentials to get onto the court despite ujiri com- repeatedly saying hey man back off this cop was pushing him and uh and atta- i mean literally attacking him um, so again, body cam footage comes out, clears Ujiri's name, countersuit has been filed. 
but geez, man, like, why did it take a year for this to come out? And, and what's going on there? We saw, we watched the video and of course it's the NBA finals. There's a hundred cameras, including the body cam footage from officer Strickland. Right. And he immediately assumes this black man does not have the authority to come out on stage. He's walking up in this million dollar suit, you know, and the cop is just like pushing him back. The guy, Ujiri's reaching for his, like puts his hands up like, whoa, and he's reaching for his credentials and the cop pushes him again. He's trying right. to be this bully tough guy. And one of the other buddies, it looks like one of the, maybe somebody from the Raptors organization, he also is wearing credentials. He's coming up and like getting between them like, whoa, whoa. It looks like right. he's trying to say, whoa, whoa, this, this guy's with us or something. And then he shoves him again. And so then Ujiri kind of gives him a pushback, like get off me. And then that little bitty shove, the guy didn't even fall to the ground. The guy didn't even hit anybody else. He didn't, he was kept walking around after. He tries to say from that he was disabled. Disabled, yeah, claimed a concussion and took almost a year off work. Um, he's trying to sue for $75,000. Um, fun fact, this officer Strickland has actually, back in 94, was convicted of insurance fraud. for. Yes, for, I saw that. A similar <laughs> situation, right? <laughs> Claimed, he damaged his own vehicle and tried to make a claim and was caught and convicted. How does this guy even have a job, right? As an, an officer, as a cop. Yeah. And I mean, thank God, you know, Ujiri has the means to fight the lawsuits and to counter and to prove right. that what was claimed did not in fact happen despite multiple eyewitness accounts that were supporting Ujiri from the get-go saying, no, mm -hmm. man, that's, that's not how it happened. It still takes this body cam coming out and a guy that has the means and the funds to be able to fight legally. It's just crazy. So uh, good for him. I'm glad he's fighting back. I'm glad to see the yeah. body cam finally came out and hopefully we see some resolution to that soon. So, well, that was quite a soapbox. My God, sorry. I know <laughs> we have, we have things we have things to get off our chest too. We have so much to get off our chest today, but things are great. <laughs> Yay. Yay! August twenty twenty. Here we are. <laughs> Is it August? I felt like this was yes, like yes. You know, it's a hundred degree August because you've been working in your yard. I have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Let's go off. Put it in the book. You can't handle the truth. Say it with your chest. I never told anybody that because. A good friend. Get off your desk, girl. Get it off your desk. I will. Let me just vent for a minute about Home Depot. Listen, my life right now consists basically of two things. I should say three things. Working, drinking, and going to Home Depot. Like, that is my world at this point. And this past weekend, Hannah, thank you for your help. You were there with me. Roll up to Home Depot. I'm going to rent like a massive mower to get my, my acreage mowed down because I haven't touched it in a significant amount of time. I'm not going to say how long. <laughs> this poor kid, I had to teach him how to use his own equipment. Struggled with the wheel lock for a solid 10 minutes, then tried to start the, the motor on this mower to get it driving. Doesn't understand what a choke is. Bless your little heart. So I had to show him that. Then doesn't understand that you can't try to start an engine when it's already running. Let's not damage the starter in the ignition. Wow. Then had to show him how to engage or disengage the, the parking brake so that when he put it in drive, it didn't It would actually him. move. Yeah, right. It was a train wreck. It was, a, and this poor kid, like, so <laughs> he gets it up on the trailer. Cool, no worries. I get it home. I start using this stupid thing. And uh, 
Yeah, about what, halfway through? The machine breaks completely. The deck stops disengaging. So we tinker with that for a while, find it's just a busted part, have to return it. And my God, it was just drama. I had already spoken with a manager who was super cool, super apologetic and was like, hey, bring it back. We'll refund you everything. You know, you didn't get your job done. The, the machinery should have worked. So I go back and I'm like, all right, well, I've got this thing to unload. And he goes, well, yeah, you're going to have to unload it yourself. This isn't the manager. This is the guy that works at the counter. You're going to have to unload it yourself. I'm like, cool. A so you're whole tractor. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'd been driving it the whole time. So, okay. A little irritating, but whatever. I'll unload it. Guy doesn't even bother to like come out or tell me where to park it, whatever. Okay. So I unload the, you know, the, the mower, I get it parked. I have to double check. Hey man, is this okay here? Yeah, I guess whatever. Thanks. So get back inside and uh, they refund the money and I get, I go back outside to move my truck and Hannah, you were with me at this point. Right. I had the truck parked cause we had just unloaded the trailer same guy that wouldn't help me unload is now outside trying to help another customer unload their stuff. <laughs> like knocks on my window. Hey, can you move your car? <gasps> no, I can't. I cannot, sir. <laughs> like, can I? No, she, yeah, no, she looks at him and she's just like, literally like, yeah, hold on. <laughs> and and like, no, I can't move it. Can you wait a minute? Can and he just gets real busy. It was just a bad experience all around. And generally I love Home Depot, dude. Like I'm the person that needs adult supervision when I go, most, most people it's target, right? You need your hand held to go into target to not make stupid choices. Me, it's Home Depot. Like I, but it was just a bad experience, but Hey, pretty cool. Uh, unicorn lamp though. I did. I did get a light up unicorn. You, lamp you poke this thing in the belly and it changes colors. I am <laughs> not kidding. These are the important things. That sounds, right? that sounds necessary. <laughs> yeah. Is. Listen, if I can't get a freaking light up unicorn, <laughs> for my troubles at Home Depot, then what is this world coming to? Well, it's really I'll tell you what's really good about Home Depot and just like Academy, you can bring back stuff with no package, no wrapper, no receipt, like nothing. <laughs> just be like, see this part? It was $29.97. I need a credit. <laughs> I need a card with credit on it. I need a card credit. Look it up. Just this week, we changed the ceiling fan in our bedroom and it hangs low because the ceiling is vaulted. And for some reason, I think I, I thought I needed a four foot pole. So <laughs> I only needed like two and a half, maybe three. So it's, it, when, when the, our guy installed it all, you could walk right under it, but if you were like Donna Jerry, you would have got your head cut. <laughs> right, right. Gale force winds while you're trying to sleep, like because <laughs> it's like three feet above you. When I went, pole. I went back to Home Depot the next day and got a different pole and had to wait for <laughs> our guy to come back and take down that, which of course I had to pay for. So yeah. can you switch the poles out in that high ceiling? So then he took down the old one. I took back the new one. And so the, the, I say old, the one that's only a few days old. I took off the plastic wrapping, took off the stickers, took off everything and walked back into Home Depot yesterday. I'm like, I need credit for this poll. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I argue against, you know, you bringing back the poll. Can I ask you guys this? Have y'all ever on a single project made only one trip to Home Depot ever? No. It just, what is it about? I swear to God, I don't, I don't know what magic they work, but there is no way to go to Home Depot just one time. I can go seven it's times just for shelving. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Insane. for one closet, I'll be back there seven times. Oh yeah. Well, Hannah, you rehab stuff. So you're I super do. like, um, I, well here, like in our area, like we go to Lowe's, I, they know me by name at this point. No matter the department, they see me and they're like, oh, what did you forget this time? 
And it's usually that because it's like, oh, well, I apparently needed, you know, three buckets of joint compound instead of just two. Silly me, you know. I think for me, like, I, I, I go because I can leave the, the house for a bit and the craziness that is <laughs> rehabbing an old historic home, as fun as it is, but yeah. It, so is it, that your plans for this weekend, Home Depot? Yeah, probably. I'll, I'll end up back there again. I still have a ton to do in the yard. I'm trying to get this place ready to, to rock and roll and be presentable. I'm out in the country. So I think the longhorns are distracting enough. So nobody, yeah, knows, that, that covers it. nobody <laughs> knows the doll grass is in the yard. I'm telling you, we really what I need to do, build a fence around the front and just let the longhorns loose and let them handle everything. That would, fix that would it. be so cool. <laughs> They'd be fat and happy. I'm telling you, it's it's Megan's mowing service. We might not be fast, but we do fertilize, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Anna, what do you got this weekend? Drywall, drywall. Oh, man. Okay, so I've got a really quick story. So, it, you know, it, Megan, you mentioned it. Uh, we flip houses. And so we're working on this 4,000 square foot house. It was built in 1890. It is awesome. awesome. It is an undertaking. And yeah, so I'm working in a bathroom upstairs and... I, we get the mirror off finally, and there's a stained glass window between the studs. There's no drywall there. So there's just a window. So you're like, ah, so I mean, it's just like surprise after surprise after surprise. That's cool. Uh, it is cool. It's just like, oh, like, I mean, when it's this old and this house has been like added on to obviously like four or five times, remodeled on the inside four or five times. So like, it is never dull. There's always something always something. So, um, that's what I'm doing. Same. What's the, what's the craziest thing you've ever uncovered in a house that you've been rehabbing? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's super fun. Like in walls. Yeah. That's insane. Did you call the cops? No, not like a human remains. No big no, deal. No, like animals, right? That get stuck in the wall. Yeah, I mean, occasionally, yeah, you'll find like, like rodents and stuff. We found what turned out to be like a feline of some sort. So I don't know if somebody, God, it just, it's gross. If somebody's like pet cat got stuck or maybe the cat died and like some little kitty dead <laughs> threw it in the hole in the closet <laughs> or something. And I like, yeah, that one, that one threw me for a loop, but no, we found like family heirlooms before and like as best to your ability, you try to track down maybe who it was. Like there's always fun stuff like that. So that's super Antique. cool. Definitely post up that stained glass window. Yeah, window. I will. It. I will toast it right now. I love it. Yep. There we go. That's awesome, ladies. So have a great weekend. As always, we appreciate everyone listening. Be sure to subscribe. Again, we are Fire the Cannon. You can find us under Everyone Gets a Trophy Umbrella. Be sure to search Umbrella. Give us a follow. Give us a listen. Thanks, y'all. Until next time, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. I'm Hannah. And this is Fire the Cannon. Everybody is on shots.